millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Uh, okay, listen now for the click track, everybody. Uh, and away we go. This is uh, track one. Take one, yeah. One, two, three, four. And welcome to the latest edition of Before the Encore with me, Sonic Architect Adam. I'm back again. Um, it's nice to be back again. This feels really, really comfortable now. Um, thanks for tuning in. For those of you who do not know, Before the Encore is going to be a deep dive into the more industry-centric themes of the music industry. I speak with everyone under the sun, from producers to beat makers to songwriters to um to publishers, to managers, to um, studio managers and uh, sound engineers, which um, is very relevant to this episode today. Uh, this episode is very special. Um, I was asked to go to Windmill Lane, which is an iconic studio in the heart of Dublin City, which has become famous for a whole number of reasons. It's massive live room and there's been many live streams over the course of the coronavirus pandemic where um, they've opened their doors and hosted many, many artists, including um, the Choice Music Prize last year in uh, 2020, which um, one of my very good friends, Neela, was a part of. Fortunately, I didn't um, I didn't actually get to go that day. Um, I was working my nine to five job, as many of us do, on the side of our musical and uh, other endeavours. But I was very, very kindly asked to um, speak with Niall McMonagall, studio manager of Windmill Lane, um, for this episode of the podcast. Um, it's a particularly poignant time for Windmill Lane because they're, um, after announcing their limited edition vinyl album that they've been um, been working on for 
the past extensive number of years and I got to have a chat with Niall off the back of this so I was very very pleased to sit down with him and find out what it's like to um, be involved in such an iconic facility and just kind of chat to him about you know everyday things about Wimble Lane and it's kind of um, expansion into Pulse Recording College and um, all of the all of the many other things in between. Just a little bit about the uh, Windmill Lane Recording Studios album that they're releasing. Um, it's got iconic artists like the Cranberries, R.E.M., U2, Phil Linnet, Westlife, The Chorus, Gabrielle, Simple Minds, Wet, Wet, Wet. Like it, it's, you'd be so surprised at the extensive, the extensive impact that Windmill Lane has had on these songs, and that it's had a part to play with so many hits that we know and love. It was really nice to experience the album and. You know, I was taken aback in some parts because you look at th- you look at the the track listing and you've got songs like um, you've got Mysterious Ways by U2, The Imitation of Life by R.E.M., The Zombie by The Cranberries. Like these are just three absolutely incredible songs that uh, Wimble Lane has hosted and uh, you know been such an integral part of these songs being made. Um, so it was so nice to talk to Niall about that and, like I said, all of his experiences in the studio and just what it's like to have been there for uh, he's coming up on 20 years in there now so it was nice to touch on you know what it was like before um, and what it's like now I'm conscious that I don't want to uh, ramble on too much longer because I don't want to uh, I don't want to spoil any of the uh, conversation topics that we had uh, while we spoke in Windmill Lane um, we actually spoke in the control room of Studio A which was a very fun experience um, and Niall and Keen, Keen Sinnott, one of the main engineers in there, uh, kindly provided some lovely equipment to record with. So no doubt that we will be sounding very, very nice in the space that um, very, very nice things are made and created. And um, it was just, it was a real honour to be there um, in, like I said, such an iconic facility. Uh, but I won't, I won't ramble on for too much longer, like I said. Um, so this is Before the Encore with Niall McMonagall. your first memory of Windmill Lane? Oh, Jesus, wow. Uh, my first memory of Windmill Lane was... Uh, so I had been working in another studio, what was called Pulse Studios, Pulse Recording Studios up off Camden Street. And we were working on a project there with a gospel choir. Um, so the owner of Pulse, Tony, and a good friend of his called Jerry Cullity, had put together this unbelievable gospel choir. They were incredible of some of the best session singers in Dublin. Uh, an amazing band. They'd done a whole album and uh, we brought it down. I say we, Tony and Jerry brought it down to Studio 2 here to mix it. They wanted, There was a guy called Alvin working out of Studio 2. Um, Alvin Sweeney, who is an amazing mix engineer. Um, and he, uh, they asked him, would, they, would he mix it? So, we came down here and that was my first time down here uh, to see the place uh, in Studio 2 watching Alvin mix one of those tracks and it was 
Oh, it was class. I was just I couldn't believe I was in the building. I was going, this is amazing. It is a different world when you like yeah. step into the purpose built recording studio yeah. that like looks like it should look yeah. quote unquote you know yeah. uh, that's how I felt like I felt like that when I came here first um, I've been here a handful of times just for different things I right. was here in 2017 or 2018 I think um, working on a I, just, I think I did a vocal take with one of my clients at the time Bobby Basil so oh, yeah, okay. um, we were doing a vocal take for one of the songs we had going on to his album and we came in here, there was a guy called Killian who was engineering in here yes. for a while. Yeah. And he gave us a dig out. Great. So, um, shout out to Killian O'Dwyer. Good man, Killian. Uh, absolute legend. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so I'm sitting back here at the same desk now. It's just... Yeah, great. It's mad how it kind of comes around and what's nice, I find, is like there's such a great community between people who work in studios. There is, and yeah. like everyone's kind of been in each other's space and yeah. has seen it and appreciates different things. Everyone like has a good thing to say about someone else's shooting. There is. I think the, um, I've noticed that from, everyone will always help each other out. There's never any, you know, while everybody can, I suppose, be competing for the same business, I suppose, because that's ultimately what we're doing here is mm. the business. Uh, there's no, well, I'm not aware of any kind of really competitive nastiness or any of that sort of stuff. There's a lovely, lovely, uh, atmosphere between all the studios to help each other out and you know, we get calls all the time hey can I borrow headphones can I borrow a preamp can I borrow a microphone or whatever or mm, yeah. if somebody's booked in but something's happened can I come down and use yours or whatever it's and there's never always the you know, answer's always yes if I can help we help and it's the same way around all the studios yeah. it's yeah we've, se- we've seen it like yeah. ourselves you know with our place up in, up in Harold's Cross we were talking yeah. just off mic about it um, yeah there's like you know gig venues down yeah that direction around minds and stuff and there were times we would have had to hand over amps and yeah. all the rest of it that were it's just nice kind of lying it? it's you nice know it thing. is it's lovely yeah. yeah it's like to be able to just like it, have that kinship with people yeah. that it, without even knowing them like we've come in here like I already feel yeah. like I kind of have known you for a long time even <laughs> just the way we're chatting to each other do yeah, you know yeah. what I mean so it's it's yeah. so lovely to um, that's so really the, important for us though and I think it should be kind of is that everybody regardless of who they are whether they're biggest star in the world or uh, just some young band coming in off the street they have to feel comfortable and they have to feel welcome you know like what what are we doing if, if that's not the case you know they have to be able to feel at ease we're in this space so they can do what they need to do and record some lovely music and so on so yeah it's, it's a big 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 part of not just me as the studio manager but everybody who works here yeah. uh, it's about enjoying what we do obviously but making feel people feel welcome because without the people coming in here there were nothing you know yeah and this no. place is the people that work here yeah you know? it's built by the yeah. the product of, a, of yeah. the environment itself you know yeah exactly yeah. Um, which is something that not an awful lot of places can say and you plus, I mean? Dublin it, is so small, <laughs> and the music business in Dublin is even smaller again. Yeah. That if you if you do something wrong, the, the, the word will get round. Oh, yeah, you yeah. know what I mean? Word will get round. So, yeah. uh, so the, I think the message is just don't be a prick. Yeah, <laughs> don't be a sound. prick about it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, one hundred percent. You spoke about you know you're the studio manager here. Yeah. We're, for, for the listener, we're here in Studio One in Wimbledon. Yeah. Um, just uh, down the Rings End direction. Um, you are the studio manager here now. Correct. How long have you been the studio manager in this building? In this building, uh, well, we took it over. I say we, there's three owners of the company, Tony, Naomi and Aiden. Uh, we took over from the previous owner in 2009. Okay. So since then, 
Um, I've been looking after the studio side of things as well as being involved in the college side of things and lately the visitors side of things. Um, so it's been a strange one. Yeah, definitely. Not, yeah. not a typical studio manager, that's for sure, given the, the stuff that we do. But uh, yeah, it's great. Like it's it's windmill lane. I can't believe me luck half the time. You know, it's ridiculous. It's like there's people who would kill to get in here. And uh, uh, like it's, it is an honour. It actually is as, you know, I hope the bosses aren't listening to this. They probably are. But yeah. the, it's a privilege to be able to work in Windmill Lane. Well, I think it is as a music fan mm-hmm. uh, and somebody who's adored listening to music forever and being involved in, uh, I was an engineer, still am an engineer at the odd time, uh, but that was what I started doing. Uh, and to get to work every day in a place like this is, that's just class. Like, look at the size of the desk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's how I, I was, uh, just for the listeners as well, I said to Noel beforehand, I was like, yeah, I'm going to sit over by the, the Neve desk, I yeah, think. Yeah, yeah. just want to get a feel for, uh, a feel for some, something analog when you, you get so used to working in the box. Like it's, yeah. it's, it's a blessing and a curse. It is. Sometimes because like, it's just great. Like actually like the deck, the dexterous nature of like, Everything's literally at your fingertips. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's right there in front of you and you're not scouring through folders and all that sort of stuff. Now, don't get me wrong. I love the digital stuff and actually we're kind of... Um, Keen is here behind us as well. Keen's one of the house engineers. We're having Keen uh, with another guy called Pat McQuaid. Pat, not Pat McQuaid. Jesus. Pat McCall. Um, <laughs> Pat McQuaid is the old UCI uh, head of cycling. Um, Pat McCall is a, an electronics engineer. For the last year or so, he's been kind of slowly bringing back to life all the old vintage gear oh, that has been brilliant. lying around this building. Uh, so it's all coming back in. We used to actually have a lot of old units on display. Mm. And we used to show them to students or we'd show them to people coming in going, this is how it used to be and all that sort of stuff. We've brought a load of it yeah, back so to life. There's been one less and one less and one less yeah, every time exactly. you've been bringing yeah. the and students so the, Oh so yeah, the, no, that one's actually, we're using that and yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, but it's great. The racks are all filling up again with this, these vintage pieces of equipment. So we're very much on an analogue buzz ourselves at the minute. Yeah. It's a complete vanity though, because I mean, you know. The, uh, no, it, the, it, it's a total vanity, but yeah. like there's the, I've, spoke with so many people about the analog versus digital yeah. thing and there's so many there's so many close um i suppose iterations of certain things like yeah. i'm looking just here to to my left like there's the you know 1176 and there's the distressors and everything yeah. like there's there's stuff that gets so close but you just can't like, you can't emulate what was you can't. the original, you know? No. Well, there's three 1176s there, and not one of them sounds the same as the other one. <laughs> this is the thing. That's, like, that's you know? the beauty of it, isn't yeah. it? Because, like, you're working in the box, and all of a sudden everything sounds the same. Yeah. You know? Well, you, yeah. you can get that You can get that sound immediately. Yeah, big and time. Like, yeah. for me, that's, I love that reliability. Yeah. Um, I love having that ease of access, and I love having, like, that uh, workflow. Like... Yeah. Gives me a very quick workflow. Yeah. Um, as someone who has worked in an analog environment, yeah. because Wimble Lane, I suppose, would have traditionally been an, an- yeah. analog environment yeah. back in the day, um, the move from analog to digital. Yeah. How did you see that progress from the studio side? Well, actually, the very first day that I got hired in the old place in old in Pulse. Was that was in two thousand and three? I think it was. I was hired as the assistant engineer. It was also the exact same day that the studio bought their own Pro Tools rig. Right. So where me and Digital are tied at the hip okay. in terms of this, but we were still using 
Um, we were still using Tape Machine. At the time, it was a Pro Tools Mix 24 system with these old 888 interfaces, uh, which sound vintage now. It was only a couple of years ago. Um, and uh, But at the time, it was like, oh, these are great. We've got 24-bit. We can do 48 kilohertz. And you don't go to 96 because the computers couldn't handle it. Mm-hmm. Um, slow but, Tools, I think. Yeah, Slow the Tools was yeah. the, the name. <laughs> so what we used to do is we would take this uh, the output of the desk going straight onto the Tape Machine and then onto the Tape Machine into Pro Tools and then back to the desk and so when we, and we had this intricate system called motion worker that had the whole lot synchronized together so when we hit record on one everything jumped into record so we got that lovely analog sound into pro tools um and then we would just wipe the tape and start again on the same bit of tape as opposed to layering up 50 different uh you know reels of tape and sending budgets through the roof and so yeah. on so it was actually a really nice way to record that we got that lovely tape sound with the editing capabilities of pro tools so that was kind of normal for me um that you know setting up for a session the day before would be would be a nightmare it's at least a day mm. minimum to set it all up particularly with time code and synchronization all involved it was a nightmare because it rarely worked first time um, but when it worked, it was brilliant. And then obviously now as the, like everywhere, the digital technology just got better and better and better and better. And it's like, it's just ridiculous, the stuff you can do now. So we've just put in a brand new interface in there to marry up with our current Pro Tools rig. Uh, and the, like the bang for book that you get now is just amazing. Yeah, and you incredible. can't, it's a no brainer. It's a no brainer. They sound great. Uh, and they're very accessible, as you said. So, I mean, it's it's just it's a no-brainer. Now, we're somewhat spoiled here as well, having that lovely Neve desk. Um, and down in Studio 2 is an SSL. I don't think it, I must bring you into Studio 2. Um, there's an SSL down in Studio 2. So we're kind of spoiled for choice here. Yeah, I'm being spoiled rotten today, getting, yeah, all, getting yeah, all this yeah. analog here. And as yeah. someone who's like working with the SSL, you know, I work with the SSL emulation yeah. stuff. Um, and I swear by them. Yeah, oh, they're absolutely swear by them. Yeah. So it's it'd be nice to see the the real deal. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, it is great. It is great. So yeah, in a way, I'm kind of uh, I don't know. We're, I think we are spoiled a bit here. That it's a bit you know to have all this choice. Where will we record the SSL room or the Neve room? You know, I don't know. <laughs> and on from that, um, I suppose there's a lot of. There's been a lot of recording studio closures. Yeah. Um, this is something that I feel quite sad yeah. about. Um, I, as someone who works in a studio, you know, yeah. you feel like it's only a matter of time before mine goes. Um, and not to bring the mood down by any stretch, but obviously we spoke just now about yeah, yeah. Um, accessibility, you know, with the bang for your book you get for the, all the digital stuff. And like yeah. a lot of people are moving to digital, especially people who are starting to make music. Yeah. Um, you can have a studio set up in your bedroom for, you know, the guts of 3,000 quid yeah, to get yeah. you something that's probably, you know, mid-range, yeah. you know. Decent laptop mic and an interface and away you go. Yeah. yeah, 100%. Like, I travel everywhere with my stuff. Yeah, um, yeah. So, realistically, you could probably set up anywhere you wanted. Yeah. Um, how is that, how has navigating that environment been from the windmill perspective? Yeah, it's tricky. Uh, we haven't gone unaffected I suppose from that thing like every studio we feel it um, and particularly the larger studios um, in terms of like this place used to be hired out by the month nearly by bands coming in and just setting up camp writing, recording, editing, mixing all the way through the whole thing Um, whereas now things are 
very much down to a day here, a day there. We might get some bands. Um, in fact, we had one band last year, um, well, pre-pandemic and post-pandemic, um, not that we're post, um, that were recording an album entirely in studio too. And I was like, are you sure? I was like, are you sure you want to do that? You know, it was mm. so far. I was like, hang on a minute. Yeah. Oh, stop talking, Niall. Of course they want to do that. You that, know, that whole it thing, was so unusual. That whole thing, like with the, you know, going somewhere to write and record your album, yeah. it seems like it's a lost it's a lost yeah, art now yeah. which is kind of sad because like I did it for the first time yeah. only just at the end of August um, I went to uh, Dahi's Place Beekeepers in Clare yeah. um, myself Nilo and a lot of the crew went up there and we parked up there for a week and now it was only a week yeah. it wasn't a month it wasn't yeah, yeah, yeah. two months it wasn't three months or anything um, but just to be somewhere that's purpose built for that yeah be in that environment and immerse yourself yeah. in that environment it like I found it to be like it gave me a new lease on life for the creative yeah, process yeah. so it's sad to me and it's like it's, very, it's tragedy that it's not such yeah. a done thing as it would have been say 20 yeah, years ago you know but back then they didn't have the choice I suppose and uh like I've seen some of the old invoices from here from back in the 90s and whatnot and jeez, it was a great business to be in back then, I can tell you. And uh, that was before we took over, of course. But I think now, uh, look, if you're in a band, it doesn't make sense. You don't need to, hire, yeah. particularly somewhere like this, like this is an orchestral studio, this one can hold 80 piece, or uh, up to 80 musicians in there. It doesn't make sense as a writing location unless you are at that top level of a band who've got limitless budgets so absolutely it makes I completely get it that a band are gone I don't need to I've got the, I've got a laptop let me go and hire an Airbnb down in the wilds of Dingle or whatever and and write my songs and do all that brilliant I, absolutely I'll go with you absolutely great um, but what has helped us um, has been the fact that th- that room is so big hmm. so for the likes of orchestral recording or film scores or any of that sort of stuff there's very few places in Ireland that can handle those bigger sessions. Yes. So that's a definite bonus to hear. So that has helped keep the kind of keep things open. Um, as you know, we are all, we also run the Pulse College side of things. So the college side of thing here has helped the college, and the college has helped here yeah. as a studio. It's if you know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. There, yeah. The students want to come here to learn here because of here, uh, and that helps keep here busy and so on. Um, and then, uh, as I mentioned beforehand as well, off mic, that we now get visitors wanting to come in and see the place. There's always been visitors wanting to come in and see the place. Normally U2 fans from all over <laughs> yeah, the world yeah. knocking on the door at all times of day and night. Can I come in and see the studio? And we would always let them in and say, yeah, if the studios are empty, we would always say, yeah, come on in. Because, you know, we very much hope that we have windmill lane just for a certain amount of time but event that it will keep going and be going for many more years that would be yeah that would be the plan we don't ever want it to uh, come to an end uh, that would be the plan anyway um and so we part of that is to let people there are people who want to see it so i think we need to let people see it yeah uh, like who are we to say no come on in you know there's people from all over the world uh, it's not so much an irish thing but there's people all over the world who will listen to their records or whatever uh, and want to go and track down and tra- walk in the footsteps of their band of their favorite artists and listen absolutely like that's i think i think it is an irish thing to a degree yeah I think that a lot of other people wouldn't be so forthcoming with a space that yeah. is as prestigious as Windmill Lane is to the Irish music industry yeah, yeah. and to Irish music internationally. Yeah, yeah. Um, particularly on the scales of, like you say, U2 yeah. and um, and that. But that is a very 
that's a very like lovely thing to allow people to just kind of come in and be yeah. in the place because yeah. to, to be like to someone who's a music fan it, being in a studio is totally different to, than yeah. it is for me or you yeah absolutely like, yeah. that's an experience that's going to stay with them yeah. forever and like it says it's going to carry that legacy yeah it's going to take it's they're going to take that with them and it might yeah. be somewhere that they come back to in 20 years time or it's how I got started actually believe it or not my oh, mate yeah. phoned me up one day and said hey man do you want to go see a recording studio and I'd never been in a studio I went yeah that would be cool it's just <laughs> something to do on a Saturday yeah. and uh, so we're going into this place they're like great why are they letting us in he was like oh they're just letting people in to see the studio I was like oh grand and then they uh, uh, started talking about a course that they were doing mm. in sound engineering at the time and uh and that was it. That was it. That was it. I was like, "Jesus, I'm applying for that course." Yeah, you've got uh, sucked into and the. And that wormhole. was it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but that's the job I want. I knew it because I'd been arsing about with other stuff here and there. Well, there we go. That's that's what I want to do. Going to do that. Here's your twin, like because yeah. I, I, I I've been working full time in an office job now for eight years. Right. Yeah. Um, I still work there. Yeah. Um, I have redacted the company name by choice. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but like, I've. I, I, you know, I'm working a nine to five job, but I, I've been in bands for years since I, in my teens, and I remember the first time I was in, uh, I was in a recording studio, and it was the Mill Studios. Oh yeah, with Phil. Yeah, lovely. Yeah, with Phil McGee, and I remember walking in there, and it's obviously a lot smaller scale than yeah. what the you know room we're in now, but my jaw I couldn't lift my jaw off the floor right. like I was just like what's this what's that What? like the curiosity just caught me and I'm like right this is something that I need to pursue Yeah. Um, and I did and in fairness to Phil he really gave me the leg up but it's led to me being in rooms like this where you're like oh my god I've got such an appreciation for yeah. everything that's here in front of me as well as smaller setups because you see what can be done yeah. across the board and all of these things like yeah, yeah. Um, we spoke again just briefly off mic about the Choice Prize yes. last year, the performances yeah, of the Choice Prize. that was great. So it, yeah, it was fantastic. We were tuned in all night from the, the Nilo camp yeah. because we got the nod for the nomination as well, which yeah. was nice. Um, and uh, it looked fantastic, but that must yeah. have been such a change of pace. I tell you, that was one of those things. Obviously, like everybody, uh, the pandemic was mad, shut everybody down and particularly in the music industry and still the live music industry yeah. is still obviously feeling it. Yeah. Um, so that was uh, a definite little glimmer of, okay, great, there's something that we can latch on to and some work we can do because obviously RTE for, and not just RTE, but anybody involved in audio and media and production, all that, were able to operate um, under strict COVID uh, compliance uh Oh, there was a ton of work to do yeah, to be able to make it happen. The paperwork, yeah. yeah, so that came in and that was a, a four day, was it a three or four day, three or four day setup with all the nominees um, performing up here in the live room in Studio One. Then they did an interview in one of the rooms downstairs um, and photo shoots and all that sort of stuff. And it was like a, it was very different for us, you know, recording studio band arriving in the morning, cool. We set up the gear take our time, how's things that start with the drums or what do you want to do? It's all very nice and relaxed and very kind of meandering, whereas this was bands in this time, crew at that time, we start recording at this time, everyone's bang, 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 and yeah. the whole four days was laid out minute by minute. There wasn't a, a wasted second in the whole 
time of it. Isn't it gas um, as well? Because usually with music, he'd say his gigs never run on time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, I found myself. So I, I'm uh, at the moment we're on tour with Nilo for the uh, All the Leaves Are Fallen anniversary yeah. tour, and I'm MDing it for him. Right. And it's just like everyone's kind of like, oh, what's the story with like set times and like yeah. this? I'm like, no, it never runs on time. Yeah. Add 15 minutes to whatever yeah, yeah, was said, yeah. and it's yeah. fine. But like for that to be so. Yeah. in, out, no crossover. Oh, film crews are, they don't tolerate it. They're like, no, yeah. that's, you'll be here on that time, you're going to miss your window. Yeah. And that's it. Like, there's no, nah, go on then. It's, no, you've missed it. Yeah. <laughs> Which I, is great. I, it's, it's, it's gas because I wonder, like, I, I think, I don't think there would have been any issues for the from the musician side because no. I'd say they would have been absolutely dying to get back at absolutely back to some kind of performance yeah. at that stage. So and they were and the performances that they all did were just outstanding. Yeah, they were really great. outstanding. And that's where you know where we're looking. One of those things I say it's an honour and a privilege to be here, mostly because of moments like that where we're able to stand in this room or that room out there and watch hmm. watch the artists doing what they do. And when they're at that level of the Choice Music Awards level, they're just. They're just outstanding. You just have to sit back and admire what they do. It's just been outstanding and can't believe you're in the room. And, you know. When um, you talk about those moments where you're, you know, here and it's like, yeah. that's what it's all about is yeah. seeing those moments in the, from when you're watching from behind the boards yeah. into the into the studio. Um, what sticks out to you from a manager side Ooh. or from an engineer side as the one that will always come to mind when someone would say, what's your mouse? Well, you know? there's one that is quite pertinent given uh, today's news of the passing of Paddy Maloney. Mm. Um, and it was one of the very, very, very early sessions, not rock and roll at all, but just out and out kind of jaw hit the floor going, what? It was for a Chieftain's record. Um, and there was a guy playing a piano dulcimer on, on one of the tracks. And whatever key the song was in, his the dulcimer didn't go down to that. He didn't have that uh, key or that range on, on the dulcimer. So he just said to the lads, just, oh, just play it to me double speed. And the engineer and producer at the time was a guy called Brian Masterson, who actually set up and founded Windmill Lane. Okay. Um, who uh, is still an engineer producer. He's an absolute legend of the music business. You need to hunt him down for your podcast because <laughs> that man has stories like you wouldn't believe. I'm going to add him to uh, my list. Yeah, he's just, he's an absolute gent. He's amazing. He's amazing. He's amazing. Anyway, um, so there was some cross looks and going, people going, play it. Did he say play it at twice speed? This is like some a chieftain style real or jig I forget which one it was mm. um, and so they said okay cool so on did what they do on Pro Tools and fired it up to double speed and played it out to them and it was like just noise just you know madness really fast and there was people looking at each other and, the, and within one take the guy went okay cool great so just just play that back there now at normal speed and it should be fine 
<laughs> and the lads were going, oh, here, this is never going to happen. Laugh, yeah, yeah, having a laugh. They played it back. It was absolutely bang on. Timing was great. Pitching was great. Everything was absolutely perfect. And the likes of Paddy Maloney, who was around the music business for a very long time, yeah. was speechless. He's going, that's, that's unbelievable. Like, the chieftains, have, there's photos of Paddy Maloney out in that room with Keith Richards um, and the Rolling Stones, and they've played with everybody. We all know who the chieftains are. Mm. Um, and they were completely floored by this guy. And I've forgotten his name, which is an absolute sin. But uh, that like, was one. The element of mystery, I think, is kind of yeah, nice. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> out, out of the blue, kind of, what? How is that so good? Jeez, it was amazing. But there's been loads like that. That one sticks out because it was probably the first time mm. in a studio where I just went, wow, that was, that was immense. And I always remember that as being the first kind of jaw-dropping moment for... A guy playing dulcimer on a, you know, a trad Irish trad reel, Irish, hardly... At, at double the speed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hardly, you know, rock and roll or hardly, you know, big, you know, glorious guitar solo kind of greatness or anything, but just, yeah, just unbelievable mus- musicianship. But see, this is the thing, isn't it? It's like, that. it's those things, I think, are far more pertinent to, well, I say far more pertinent to, probably the wrong phrase to use, but it's like those kind of abstract moments I suppose yeah. that would be more like you, you talk about Keith Richards being in here with yeah. um, with himself and like even that sticks out yeah do you know what I mean yeah it's, yeah, yeah it's unbelievable fun, it's absolutely yeah. gas um, I suppose you, you, we spoke about um, again off mic I'm saving it all for the pod yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, we just talked briefly about the um, the record that yes. is coming out for Windmill Lane yeah um, so I've been fortunate enough to have a listen to it yeah. already um, it's f- like it's phenomenal to think that Elvis Costello The Cranberries R.E.M. Yeah. U2 Gabrielle yeah. Westlife they've all got something in common and yeah. it's this studio yeah Um how did that all come about and um, I suppose what was the impetus to put that together so it's just been one of those things it was actually Aiden and Naomi here two of the directors it was their idea um, they are I don't know where they are right now actually so that's where they've landed me in to do the podcast for so actually <laughs> on, on that to- topic Aiden is really the man to answer that but it's uh, the the willingness or the want has always been there to do something yeah. Uh, to put it all together it makes so um, much sense when I it saw does, it, it made, yeah. like, I was just it, the light bulb went off I was like, it, how has this not happened it's before it's a yeah. mountain it's of work just to get it together I well believe it yeah. so many different artists so many different records so many different things and you've got to go through all the different to make sure all the artists are happy with it and the labels are happy with it and so on publishing companies so, yeah everything, everything everything you've got yeah. to tick all the boxes as, as you should do you know um, there's no shortcuts to be taken on that yeah, the album took it took quite a long time to put together. It was about, I think, about two and a half years. Oh my God! Um, so Aidan and Naomi approached uh, the label Universal um, to kind of with the idea, yeah. and they loved it. Yeah, loved it. And then there was whatever number of hurdles to be kind of crossed or jumped uh, to get it together with approaching different bands and publishing companies and everybody who's involved in the you know, uh, recording and licensing and the rights of a song to be used on an album that's not belonging to the, the band themselves. Uh, but the enthusiasm from everybody was incredible. Yeah. Like, bands, are everybody was delighted to be involved with it and very encouraging, which was brilliant. I have to say that was brilliant because you're often afraid that, hey, listen, we're going to, how do you feel about, about putting a song and a compilation album together? And some people might naturally be a little bit precious about their music, mm-hmm. I suppose. But no, they were all... 
very, very, very enthusiastic That's about excellent. it. So. And, and you know what? Rightly so, I think. Yeah. Um, I'm like I said, I'm so surprised it hadn't happened before. Yeah. Given the prestige, yeah. given the yeah. the name of yeah. the place, and just given all the people who've kind of been in and out, you know, yeah. um, it, it's a great compilation, and like yeah. it, it's so rare that you'd see all of those people in one place Isn't in Westlife it? was Westlife Gabrielle Oriam the Cranberries you Elvis too Costello Elvis you too Elvis yeah yeah <laughs> exactly, it is yeah. A, a ragtag bunch alright <laughs> yeah yeah no it's 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 brilliant um, and it I think having listened to it I really think that it has done such justice to um, showing the capabilities of women yeah, yeah. and how it's you know, it stands on its own merits as yeah, well as it yeah. being a sum of its parts. Yeah, I know what you mean. For for us, it's just nice to have something like that. Like, we're all just so proud of it, you know. Yeah. And we're, as I mentioned before, the current Neomade and Tony, the, we took over Windmill Lane in 2009, but there's a whole history reaching back to 1978 yeah. that we're only a part of uh, from 10, 2009 onwards. So to be able to put something together that nods to all of that and it's only a fraction by the way there's enough momentum and there's enough will and enough artists to put together several volumes uh, of oh, albums yeah. like and this I have no doubt that, yeah. that that it will continue that it's not just going to be oh, one we record hope so, yeah. I, I have no doubt in my mind that it will but continue on just that hold and, and you know like most people uh, well most people of a certain age who started listening to music on vinyl and now are back but, listening to music on vinyl is it, the vinyl revival is huge yeah. I have spoken like uh, listeners in the No Encore podcast will know of mine and Dave's obsession with vinyl yeah. right? so I started collecting vinyl during during the first leg of the pandemic now I'd got records yeah, here yeah. and there beforehand but yeah. I went into my parents attic and I dug down a box and I swear to god some of the stuff I found was absolutely amazing <laughs> Beatles Brilliant. Red Album original oh, wow. person uh, Black Sabbath fantastic reality like oh, wow. so good like some of the like the, the mix was eclectic there were some disco records in yeah, there as yeah. well but um, I really really got into it then afterwards and started buying records and yeah. it's, it was a case of me buying records that I love and yeah. that I know I love um, and will continue to listen to it and be able to hand off and not just, you know, it's not just going to be a thing that's there f- to gather dust on a shelf. Yeah. It's a, uh, yeah. And I think that's what's so great about the fact that Wimmill are doing it yeah. like that. Because first of all, like you said, it nods back to where it all kind yeah. of started because this is what you were making music for originally. Yeah, I think what I like about it as well is that it, it's a great uh, end product. It gives you some idea of the blood, sweat and tears that a band put in oh, yeah. to making a record. Do you know what I mean? And when you've got this thing that's got beautiful artwork, not just the Windmill Lane one, but any, you know, mm. any vinyl, you've got this lovely disc and we all know the you know, the trials and tribulations of getting a good pressing uh, here and there and <laughs> yeah. getting the artwork done and making sure it's, it's that from start to finish, from the songwriting right to the end of that, it's a challenging process. Mm-hmm. And to have something that looks beautiful and sounds beautiful in your hands is, I think, is just the, the right way. It's the right, for me, it's the right final product for the band. It's perfect. You know, yeah. yeah. As it, opposed to, a, you know, a, a playlist on a we all love Spotify yeah, and they're all great but there's not, something like I don't know is it just me being a snob <laughs> probably but I I love that you can hold it it's something yeah, that you can yeah. hold and it's also like it's such a huge support to artists nowadays yeah 
to purchase a record, like a physical, physical record, that's to them, you know, invaluable support. Yeah, absolutely. You just, that the streaming platforms just don't give. And it's just, uh, it's just such a lovely thing. That's a whole other podcast episode. (laughs) I'm not getting into the weeds on that. I've had too too many conversations and too many arguments. (laughs) Um, Or too many uh, gripes, I think, with that. But um, uh, just to touch on the... Uh, the college side of things. Yes, yeah. Because um, back when I was in bands, I, like I said to you, I stumbled on this. I totally stumbled yeah. on this, um, what I'm in now. And it's just a case of teaching everything to myself. Yeah. Via the means of, gotcha. I'll be at YouTube. Yeah. And learning from um, other producers and other engineers and trying to soak knowledge in. Yeah. Um, which has been tough. At times, yeah. because I work, uh, you know, I work a nine to five job still. Um, I have done for eight years. Yeah. I've been in band since I was, you know, in school. So everything's kind of been running in parallel. Yeah. The fact that Pulse offers something as like, a, it, it's like a full time course for people to learn yeah. engineering, production, um, and the kind of inner workings of a studio. Yeah. Um, how valuable do you think that that's going to be as opposed to, you know, how it was maybe 20, 30 years ago when it wasn't necessarily something that was offered up to people yeah. as an option? Because even 10 years ago, 15 years ago, it wasn't necessarily offered up to people as a viable option. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, you had to, the, the way into a studio was to become the tape op. So you knock was, on the door yeah, and hope there was a vacancy. Floors, yeah, 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 you're sweeping floors, you're making the tea and coffee and they might let you load the tape machine if you're lucky and so on. But, you know, um, if you couldn't operate the kettle, you definitely weren't getting anywhere near the desk, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and the kettle was the first button to master. Um, uh, it's quite true, would you believe? Um, so, yeah, so the college here is uh, is brilliant. For, from a studio point of view, it's just brilliant to have the students around Um and look, as I said, the studio, we're not immune to the difficulties that all recording studios have faced around the world um, with the advances in technology and the fact that the technology is so accessible and you don't necessarily have to come into a recording studio. What you get when you come into a recording studio is obviously obviously the facilities, uh, but the knowledge and know-how of the people working there mm. um, is invaluable um, that you know you can't get sitting at home. Uh, so there's a time and a place for it. Uh, the students here... They, uh, yeah, they just they get to well, they get to train in these places. And we don't the, the colleges are the sorry the studios aren't set up as a student facility. Mm-hmm. It's the students come and work in a fully commercial facility. That, that to me is yeah, that like that's what I loved about how I learned is the yeah. fact that I was just in the thick of everything. Yeah. yeah, and if someone was to ask me now, yeah, where to go, obviously I point them in the direction yeah. of Windmill Lane or BIM. It's great that yeah. they're. You know, the, op- great, yeah. the, the options are there like yeah. for people to learn these things. Yeah. And the fact that they're learning in a purpose built environment. Yeah, it's 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 ridiculous, yeah. yeah. And they get to learn on a Neve. <laughs> pretty nice. They're yeah. spoiled rotten. They don't know themselves. Yeah. <laughs> like me like me again being yeah. brought in here to even just have these chats and Yeah. Um Very often we walk in though and they'll have this lovely eighty channel console uh in front of them and they'll have their laptop popped up on top of it yeah, just using two I, outputs and a, yeah, yeah, yeah exactly you know? and yeah. you say well I, I was going to say you know I can't say anything really on that front because I've brought in my yeah, interface yeah, yeah, that, that's you know? okay but we're using our nice mics yeah you are using your nice mics yes. <laughs> um, which has been like such a 
such a nice little treat you yeah. know, I brought in some AKGs I just happened to leave them in the car it's nice, <laughs> nice to be on some uh, U87s you nice. know it's lovely but um, no I want to say just uh, a massive thanks to you're very welcome thank you to all at Windmill Lane for having me in and just letting me be in the environment where you know this is why I'm here this is why I'm doing what I do is because of places like this yeah um, and I think that what Wimmer Lane are doing for, you know, the general public, even in terms of just offering, like you said, visits when people knock on the door. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. You know, you let them in. I think that that stands to Would you, stands to tell you how you know great a place that Wimmer Lane is, and what a what an institution that you've built and the kind of people that are behind it so as as cliche as it sounds we do stand on the shoulders of giants though there's loads of people have come before us mm. uh, to make this place what it was so we're really just trying to continue uh, the amazing work that they did and uh, actually you mentioned something there sorry I know you're wrapping up not, in at, that, all, uh, not at all you know there's there's an often we, we encounter it all the time particularly with younger bands thinking oh my god I'm recording in Windmill Lane I can't believe it I can't believe it I'm like of course you can believe it the door is open to anybody anybody can, is welcome here everybody is welcome here you don't have to be in U2 you don't have to be at that kind of global level of a band it's a recording studio the same as any other recording studio in town or around the world if you want to come in, just pick up the phone or email us. Everyone and anyone can come and record in Windmill Lane. It's not a problem. With the listenership of this podcast now, your phone will be hot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's kind of why I said it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, thanks so much. You can, um, uh, we talked about the record. The record is yeah. out now. You can get it at windmilllanerecordings.com. Um, I highly encourage you to get it. It's an eclectic mix, but it's an absolutely phenomenal listen. So um, thank you very much, Niall, for having me. Thank you very much for coming to chat. It's been great. studios for having me um, really really appreciate the time and it was a very rich conversation I uh, yeah very much enjoyed it so nice to spend your Tuesday evening talking to people about such a legendary building and you know all the stories and things that have happened in there and yeah it was just great um, I, I couldn't say I, cu- I couldn't speak higher of, of Niall or of the place itself but um, just a quick one on the on the album so as of this podcast dropping uh, the 25th of October, the album will be available on the 29th. So I highly recommend that you pre-order your copy now. It's a great album to have in any vinyl lovers collection, particularly if, you know, you have a, a kinship to the Irish music industry in such a way that, you know, you understand the, I suppose, the gravity that Wimmel Lane holds. Um, so get your hands on that. And um, I'll pop a link to that in the description as well. So that's it for Before the Encore this month. I'll catch you on the final Monday of next month for the next edition. I've been Sonic Architect Adam. This is Before the Encore. There will be no encore. Back soon.
Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlingbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.